0: When he got into his little screamy bits, that was gorgeous, but like this overall it was a hit and a miss, like a swing and a miss, not a hit and miss. A right. <laughs> hit and miss doesn't make any sense. I've had some...
1: We have she some... gets the tequila on her brain. <laughs> so,
2: welcome to the strange South, everyone. If we are, like, extra chatty, it's because we have all been vaccinated, and we are now back in the pod. We're, we're back! We're
1: back, we're back, it's we're
2: so back. so nice! And Hi, so we're basement. all kitty. and so we are celebrating Cinco de Mayo with some spicy margaritas from bartender Courtney. Yes. They're very good.
1: After we did a tequila shot to celebrate. <laughs> yeah. So... We there is a video of this, we... and Marla didn't take it so well. I don't know, I don't know how to do things. You <laughs> don't know how to do things? Next time, I'm bringing Montezuma for you to shoot, and Woo. then you'll see. <laughs> no, I don't think I'll do that, though. I'm just <laughs> it was very smooth, is my point. It actually, oh, it was, but yes. you know, I always scream oh, and stomp get my that feet. that bottom do shot. Revenge of Montezuma tequila though.
2: Ooh. I can't. <laughs> College like, days. If, it's ho- if it's like top shelf tequila and it's cold, mm-hmm. I can totally sip like all day long with mm-hmm. some tequila. So good. But the worst sick I've ever been in my life is off of tequila. Tequila. As well. mm. ooh. That's a bad, like, okay, mm-hmm. I'm going to be off tequila for about five years now. Yes. Oh, yeah. And then, you know, then you can come back because being.
0: Mine was rum. <laughs> rum was my worst sick five years probably and i still don't know that i've had much coconut rum since that time <laughs> but it was a combination of like spiced rum and white rum and coconut rum and mm, all the rums that the bahamas yeah. had to offer <laughs> <laughs> is it like a white russian or something like that i don't what? even know what it was anymore oh. it, i no, mean it was just no, a, no, it's a whole not, night not with of russians of rum. It would would no, no white it would russians was vodka no mm. no it was just a whole night of rum Mm. Free rum mm.
1: sounds like Panama City, 1997 to me. <laughs> 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 I love it. Like, uh, Martin record. Like, yeah, that <laughs> Panama City, <laughs> so 1997. Like, it. It like, like your war pictures, <laughs> Picture Panama City. Back when I drank coconut rum. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> you know, well, <laughs> I did. I did have.
0: I kind of had like a relapse of like appreciation for coconut rum recently, mm-hmm. though, because I don't know. Randy. Randy ordered something um because we can now sit outside places right, and order drinks at places mm-hmm. right so we went to mellow mushroom the other night and sat outside and um he ordered like a girly drink and i ordered a mm-hmm. beer <laughs> and i didn't like my beer for what i, I like i ordered the Bay Mimosa, which i actually do like the back 40s mm-hmm. Mimosa, but i just when it came i was like why did i order this this isn't what i was in the mood for yeah. like i wanted be, i wanted a lot the Mimosa, right? yeah, yeah. And um, so he's like, "Well, why don't you try this?" And he hands me this like bright green ice-filled cup with like a giant straw. And it should have had an umbrella in it, but I was like, "I don't even know what you ordered. I don't know." He drank a says. green drink. He did. And he he I'm handed it judging. to me. <laughs> he handed it to me, and it, it and it was very tasty. It was it was it was a it was a girl drink. I'm sorry. It was like a it, it there was a lot of coconut rum in it. And um, it was very sweet, but I really did like it a lot. Mm And I love pina coladas. Yeah, yeah, I like pina coladas, too. So I was like, but I was like, oh, I kind of forgot that I really used to love coconut rum. But coconut
1: rum on its own is just, it's very low alcohol content, number Mm. one. It's just a lot of sugar and juice. I was going to say, it's it's basically like the
0: triple sec of rum, right? Pina coladas I
1: make, you would just put Mm. rum in it and then have the coconut flavor with it, you know. I right. had a little bit of coconut because... rum but we used to just drink pineapple juice and coconut rum all day long on the beach when right. you like you know 20 Panama City, 19 <laughs> <laughs> Panama That will Jack get you... shirt, right uh... That will get you sick yeah. <laughs> you keep drinking it trying to get drunk there's not a lot of alcohol in it so you just drink a lot of sugar all day you don't get drunk you just get diabetic yeah,
2: right.
1: <laughs> you get the diabetes, you get the diabetes. Mm-hmm. Woo. okay so tell us what we're drinking um what we finished what, we just, <laughs> like, what i just finished uh, drinking. i finished mine this is a spicy mango margarita it's inspired by a local mm. restaurant here, yes. the Heirloom Taco, which we love very yeah. much. Which
0: recently got written up in like two state newspapers. Oh, really? Or like awesome. magazines. Yes, because they're, they're great.
1: They're all about the community and offering, you know, trying to offer events for the community. They've mm-hmm. been safe the entire time for COVID. They're still wearing masks. All their servers are. So they have outdoor space. And I went this week telling on myself but at lunchtime and had a spicy margarita (laughs) (laughs) spicy mango and it was really good so Yes. Kind of played around with it. It's not exactly like theirs. Theirs is a little better, I will say, but I think it's pretty good. So it's mango oh, juice, delicious. fresh squeezed lime juice, charred jalapenos that have been muddled, and oh. uh, cointreau. Mm-hmm. And then I practiced making them last night. Marlea came over, and we had a cookout <laughs> and uh, I got them ready, poured them up in glasses, and we we're like, mm, this isn't that great. And then I went, oh, I forgot to put the tequila in it. it tasted so, a lot better after that. Uh, it tasted a lot better with tequila. <laughs> oh, and it has a tahine. Um, spice Tagine. rim oh,
0: Yeah yeah.
1: So they use that On their duros there And then they also Put it around the rim Over Bye. there So I, I followed that It was
2: delicious I licked it all off It's
1: really good So I mixed a little Of the margarita salt With it this time too yes, I That's like, good I'm ready for another one Tagine. Tagine has Tajin has a kick. Tajin yeah. T-A-J-I-N I know it's Tajin I know it's in. Well yeah. Borat yes. She watched Borat Vagine. With me for the first time During quarantine And
0: she gave Borat a to a
1: man on a boat. <laughs> <laughs> Borat made
0: me freaking laugh. Hard. She
1: loved it. I and they we watched Bora. the second one, which was funny too. And it's like, it was filmed during quarantine. I didn't, I didn't
0: know that the second one was going to be funny. The I didn't either. The second one cracked my ass Yeah, up. it was I pretty funny. I, I
1: like Sacha Baron Cohen.
0: I know. I just knew like a lot of... Uh, like a lot of people are uncomfortable with the whole like uh the the humiliation kind of well, it's like humiliation porn, like the comedy that's based on like making people do things and they don't realize that they're doing things that are other people are gonna make fun of mm-hmm. kind of shit. Right. So a lot of people don't like Sasha Baron Cohen. And sometimes I don't like that. That like that stuff if it if it goes a certain direction it can make you really uncomfortable, right? right. But like I don't know, I didn't know. For, for the most part he's targeting a bunch of assholes. Racists <laughs> right. <and> homophobes. So <laughs> I will say, I will say that as much as I wanted Rudy Giuliani to be 100% in the wrong, I, I'm not 100% I sure he was. So, I'm with you. Though, also, he kind of still was. I mean, like, he was doing shit he should not have definitely done. definitely a creeper.
1: But I don't think
0: he was necessarily, like, about to fuck somebody in the movie. Anyway. <laughs> onward. Onward. <laughs> onward.
2: The Cinco de Mayo. Cinco
0: de Mayo. I looked this up,
2: and there are actually... I. Of course, one of the things I love about this podcast, besides my two lovely friends here getting Yay. to spend time with, and like, if it's not Zoom, then not Pod Basement now. So
0: Yay, on. Pod yes.
2: Basement! Yay. Back. Uh, is that I've learned so much. Yeah. I have learned so freaking much from this show. Um you know, researching these stories. So I knew that we were going to like get back together in the pod basement for Cinco de Mayo. So I was like, okay, let's look at really what Cinco de Mayo is. And again, new to me, there are several myths that I thought, well, this is what Cinco de Mayo is. And of course they're wrong because they're wrong. <laughs> um, but May 5th, uh, one of the myths is May 5th is the Mexican Independence Day. And and it's not. Actually, September 16th, 1810, was the Mexican Independence Day. And this is, you know, where Mexico overthrew the rule of Spain. And that's what they, they celebrate, their Mexican Independence Day. So the myth number two is that it's a remembrance of the victory against the Spanish which it is not. It is, you know, even though that victory was like a big upset, it was actually against the French. And it was the Battle of Puebla. Pueblo. Puebla. Sorry. Pueb. Okay, y'all. Puebla. I'm just going to tell Puebla. y'all now, I'm listening to Peggy Hill the shit. Ah! <laughs> Out of some Spanish names. King okay. of the hill. So, we all know how I am. May-Lama,
0: Peggy Hill. <laughs> yes, all right.
2: <clears throat> so okay (laughs) so this was against the french
0: Sorry. Hill. I'm so sorry, sorry, but that was like my that was my pandemic comfort show. Yeah, you watched
1: so it a I'm lot too. So oh, no,
2: I I
0: watched it a lot too.
1: And I had a friend in school, and she's the sweetest, dearest in, in in undergraduate school, but she went through and had a double major in education, English and Spanish, and she is from like where I'm from, and that's exactly how she <laughs> yeah. Come away star, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> and that is so me too. I don't. She I, can speak it, but buddy, it came straight from Alabama pronunciation. <laughs> so that's how
2: I. I cannot roll my R's. There, there's just no, there's no way. I'm, so, I'm sorry, y'all. But you know, hopefully you, you enjoy all my humiliation with Spanish. Uh, myth number three: it led to Mexico winning the war and throwing the yoke of the European dominance, and that's wrong too because. Um, after they overthrew france uh within like two years france recaptured mexico oh, shit. and then they put in like this prince from um, austria in and he was basically the french king for like a long time and then myth number four that again it eventually led to the democracy of mexico <laughs> Which is not true, again, because after they overthrew the French... Then the, like, military dude was actually the longest ruling dictator in Mexican oh, history. No. His no. Hiscary. history, history. <laughs> history. Uh, history. So, you know, they overthrew their dominance. And then this military dude stepped into place. And they had elections. He's like, man, nah, we're getting to really good elections. And they, he basically ruled for a really long time until the Mexican Revolution in 1911, mm. where they finally, you know, were as independent
0: and honestly I don't know much about (laughs) which did not happen on May 5th right
2: (laughs) so um, Cinco de Mayo actually uh, is not a major patriotic holiday in Mexico it's not the biggest one celebrated it is kind of celebrated it's celebrated more in Los Angeles and in um, the American Mexican community than it is actually over in Mexico
0: and by beer distributors.
2: Yes, and it is known basically yeah. as the Saint Patrick's Day. Of, yeah. you know, yes. Of you know Mexican celebrations, so that is what we are <laughs> celebrating today: is the Mexican Saint Patrick's Day <laughs> of um, and the return to the pod basement. Go,
0: Battle of Puebla. Uh, yes. Yes.
2: Puebla. 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 Okay. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Thank you very much.
2: Yes. Very good much. So, job. Yeah. <clears throat> all right so those are the myths and we always just like go out to eat tacos and drink margaritas because so really who
0: needs an excuse to do, those ne- things? Well, well, do it anyway do it, anyway. Do it, anyway. Did it three times this day. week every
2: day, <laughs> every day is Cinco de Mayo today we are going and I don't know how like Mar- Marlea's take because again we do not talk about our stories to each other it's um, terrifying. It, yeah, always Before, worried. It, I'm not worried. I'm always <laughs> like fascinated because Marlea like finds the best stories and tells the best <clears> stories. <throat> and I, I totally like, it's so, I, I love y'all, but I'm not here for you. I am here for Marlea <laughs> telling me scary and informational and historic <laughs> stories. Um, and I just love that. So you know that's the premise you know we talk a little shit chew the fat and then we tell each other stories about mm-hmm. the south that we didn't
0: know which is why the pod basement is so great because i can actually look
1: at you right i know right. I i'm so happy
0: know. i know because i'm like i'm very
2: I'm gonna be
1: way more tipsy know. than i've been i know i'm already more i would tipsy think yeah well, you, would think tequila shot. Alone, you would think zooming along you would want to drink more but no no it's the spirit with the friends. Yes, <laughs> makes it is, it, it just k- takes it, it up a notch. It does. <laughs> it, it's
2: like it's the energy. It's like the energy yeah. that you give off and that you receive from other
0: people is really what makes storytelling yes. and what we love. And also, you don't have to keep going. Wait, did you hear? Can, can you hear me? You? Oh, yeah. I, I, am I frozen? Wait, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Do you got your mic on? Malaya, <laughs> did you
1: put it on? Mute? You're frozen.
0: <laughs>
2: okay, today. Oh, y'all. oh <laughs> y'all, y'all know I'm gonna have to like talk, Yay! say Mexican things, say Spanish words. Do it, you to, can do d- it. Okay, I'm, I can do it. I'm gonna psych myself up. I can do it. So we're gonna talk about the Owl Lady of Mexico. <gasps> the Owl Ooh.
0: Lady? Yes. Oh, I'm on board. I love. I thought owls. you were gonna go.
1: Oh my God, that's my story. No, <laughs> no, no I am so excited. Looking.
2: Okay, so her name is La <laughs> <laughs> Mou- <laughs> Okay. La 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 Muher. La, la mujer, la moher, la moher, la moher. M-U, M-U, la, la, la chosa. So it's, it's la lechosa. La okay. It's the short version la la of chosa. it. La lechosa. La chosa la meaning al. I think la mujer, la moher. Mujer, ah, okay. okay. mujer is woman. Mujer is woman. woman. Mm-hmm. So of course they translate that to <laughs> witch, which
0: I think witch is like bruja. bruja. There you go. I know that because I read a lot of Dora the Explorer books to my kids when she was little. (laughs) So Owl Lady
2: is, there's a lot of things in mythology where you have like these half, you know, creatures, half human, half creature kind of thing. And, you know, if you look at Greek mythology, there's tons of like half women, half bird things. Uh, There's actually a, you know, you have uh, sirens, Mm -hmm. you have harpies bird women yeah and you have um (laughs) there's something new to me that's uh Mia, which is woman with duck feet (laughs) that's me i'm I'm going to have to look into (laughs) later right so la lachusa la lachusa is the owl witch which they don't say Bruha, so they're not saying witch. So they s- literally are saying either the owl or the woman owl, and they're implying witch, which I kind of have a little bit of problem with. Just know, like the implication, uh, implication of like a woman can be a, a woman witch. It's automatically a witch. It's automatically <laughs> a witch. Or in the case, an <clears throat> owl is automatically a witch. Mm-hmm. And it's actually a centuries-old folktale. So this is maybe not a well-known folktale, but it is really old. The um most popular folktale regarding a woman in Mexico is the La Llorona. La Llorona. Yeah, which is the weeping woman. And basically the woman in white, mm-hmm. which we have, Ooh. which everybody has a woman in white story story, where, you know, it's a thin spirit that um, is naturally beautiful, flowing black hair, but she will drown your ass in a river Ooh. or a stream. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's mainly, like, you know, you tell your children that if you, you know, go wandering off, she's going to drown you, especially mm-hmm. if you're near, you know, a river. If you're, like, doing something you're not supposed to, La will get you. But La Chusa, there's actually... It's a caution- All of these are cautionary tales, right? And also, a lot of them are, ne- are geared towards children. And the Lala Chusa, there's like an NPR interview with a guy who, um, Xavier Garza, wrote a children's book. And he chose to interpret the Lala Chusa uh, legend as an owl-like woman, a woman with an uh, owl body and a woman's head who goes after drunk drivers. Oh. So it's kind of like a cautionary, and this is the children's book. It's a cautionary children's book saying, like, if you go, if you have too much to drink and you go on the road, then you better watch out because Lala Chooza will, you know, come run your ass off the road because, mm-hmm. you know, you're doing bad thing, or you could possibly be, you know, you could possibly have harmful intent. And they said that in his story, Lala Chooza was the ghost of a mother whose children were killed by a drunk driver. That's oh, that see, plays. that's
0: the like, La Llorona is like she drowned her own children, and then she felt bad about it. But then she goes as a ghost to like drown other people's children. Right. So it's yeah, yeah it's like I'm all,
2: I'm going to drown my children. I'm going to drown your children too. <coughs> uh, I don't I don't know. But anyway, so the La, La Chusa or La, La, La Chusa, I guess. So La is fem- feminine, mm-hmm. Le is masculine. So I guess masculine. So it's La, La, La Chusa i guess Al is masculine i don't know which doesn't make sense if everybody's saying like they're witchy women okay anyway i digress so this creature is supposed to be like large like seven foot tall 15 foot wingspan the face of an old woman and you know that's kind of one reference because centuries old telling retelling a mangling of legends here. Others describe this, you know, as a small owl with the face of an old woman. The old woman is kind of the consistent thing here being the, uh, you have to be old to be a witch. I guess you can't be like, I guess baby bruja,
0: baby bruja. Right. (laughs) So no Hermione for you. No Hermione's
2: for you. The Lachusa legend starts the witch or the woman can be normal like during the day, but she, the witch sold her soul to the devil, as you do as a witch. Like, and mm-hmm. given these mystical powers to make her kind of a shape shifter where she can, during the day, be a old woman or a young woman at night, an old woman with an owl's body. And, you know, she flies through the air and... She's looking for prey in some of the stories, and some of the stories she's looking for vengeance. Vengeance. She's looking for squirrels. She's. I wish she was looking for chipmunks <laughs> actually. <It> but <laughs> she, she, you know, it's nocturnal, and at night, if you hear like she, she calls her prey several different ways. So there could be she could whistle, mm. and if you whistle back, oh. and then she'll come get
0: you. Oh, that's a creepy one. Um, mm-hmm.
2: there's another one where she'll cry like a baby, and if you go <gasps> look for the baby, then she'll get you. Oh shit. And then there's one where she'll, like, attack your door and scratch at your door. And you go look to see what the scratching is. And if you open it up, she'll come get you.
0: Oh, Lord. So,
2: you know, those are the things that they say that, you know, you don't do or La chuzo will come get you. Some say she just wants a meal. Some say she's a little hungry. <laughs> if you see an owl, it is believed, you know, to be a bad omen and that someone in your family will die. Mm. But again, she may just be hungry. It may not be, like, maybe the omen is that she's, like, it's lunchtime. (laughs) Maybe
0: the omen is she's going
2: to eat you. Right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, it says that La La can carry a full-grown man in her talents. And so it's always, like, this constant, like, vengeful hunger kind of thing. I get vengeful hunger, too. So I can (laughs) totally relate to this, you know, looking for a meal or looking for somebody that's doing bad, making them pay She can swoop down and try to run your car off the road. Mm. She can also cause... like a legit owl thing. right? And she can also cause your battery to go dead. Uh, It's also said that she can control the weather. So if you see an owl... Or you know, Lala Chusa. Maybe it, it is Lala Chusa and not an owl. Then the next day, like a hurricane or tornado or something like that will happen, which makes sense because this is pretty popular lore in South Texas too. Oh yeah, where we do have, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know, I don't we? I don't live in yeah. South Texas, but, you know, we do have tornadoes and stuff like that. And there are things that you can do to get rid of La Lachusa. So you, you can't shoot her. You can't stab her. Nothing like modern day violence really works. Of course, salt is supposed to work very well to keep La Chusa mm. out of the house or away from you. And also you can cuss at her. Oh, mm-hmm. this is my kind of bad mm-hmm. guy. All right. So you can line your home with salt... You can curse at it. You can't use traditional weapons. If you like hear something, and this is like the the scary movie, the horror movie kind of thing. It's like you hear something outside. Don't go investigate.
0: Yeah, because
2: it's Lala Chusa. Yeah, mm-hmm. and she's something she's ventrally hungry. Yeah, she's going she's to <laughs> she's going to get you. Um, and there's a lot of stories. There's like a lot of stories out there. Like if you go on Reddit and look at Lala Chusa, there's so many stories about yeah, I saw her, and this is what happened, and. You Either like, you know, there was a really bad storm the next day or there were like claw marks on the house or whatever. But one of the best things, like I said, that you could do is you can cuss at it. That's like the main <laughs> thing. And I found this really great. Oh, and here's another thing. It's like if you see a lalachusa or if you see an owl, that could be a lalachusa because you don't know. Don't look at it in the eyeballs. Okay. Never. So never look at it in the eyeballs because they could steal your soul.
0: I would believe that a barn owls. Yeah, man. I you wouldn't know, look creepy. barn owls. Oh, my
1: gosh. Not in the eyes. I love
2: mm-hmm. owls. Okay, but we'll talk I about me loving it, owls but not
1: I think it would come claw my eyeballs out. Mm-hmm. Well, actually.
2: <laughs> um, so I've had like two major experiences with owls. That have stuck into my brain, especially after I read this. I was like, Holy shit. But this is but the whole thing with the owl too, like the baby owls being mistaken as the gray men up in mm-hmm. Kentucky. Like oh, right goblins, now. right? So owls That's all I can think like of some those little like freaky mm-hmm. shit. Yeah, weird. They look They're weird. Terrifying. They are
0: terrifying creatures. Especially those little barn owls. Those things are terrifying. So, yes.
2: So When I was like in third or fourth grade, I used to hang out with, I think she was like three or four years older than me, this girl next door, my next door neighbor. And like, we had neighborhood kids. We had like a great neighborhood where, you know, we basically, as soon as we got up and had breakfast, we went outside and we were looking for kids to play with. And there was always somebody to play with. We played outside. We played over each other's homes. And she like was my first big uh, female influence, female, I wouldn't say mentor, but definitely like female that wasn't like family that i've totally looked up to and it's at her house where i did stuff like we had spin the night parties and we did two finger lift and we did we did ouija board <clears throat> so it's like the first time i ever did a ouija board was over at her house and so we was all the time doing like just scary dumb shit <laughs> like you know Kids stuff. And it was one night I was over there really late, and I can't remember if we were watching a movie or if we were actually, like, Ouija boring it. I remember I was, like, really kind of freaked out. And I... There was, like, this ditch. It wasn't big, but there was this ditch between my house and hers. And there was, like, at the end of the ditch, when it went, like, under the road, there was this light. And that was, like, the only way that I could see. And it's really crazy because I wasn't worried about snakes. I should have been worried. Like, there's snakes everywhere. (laughs) I was, like, barefoot. I, like, didn't wear shoes for, like, the first, you know, 13 years of my life, basically. (laughs) And so I was constantly barefoot, constantly walking through, like, dark, snaky places and barefoot. (laughs) And this is, you know, one of the times that I was doing that, but I was going home and I remember you have to jump the ditch. So I jumped the ditch and like the, at the apex of my jump, I remember seeing this huge shadow. It's like this huge shadow. And I looked up while I'm oh. jumping and this owl like lunges for my head. Oh wow. my God. And then flies off. And, you know, first of all, I'm not thinking Al. I'm thinking Satan.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and... You know,
2: and I've had like this thing dive bomb me while I'm like in mid leave. <laughs> and of course, you know, my door was maybe thirty feet away. So I was like, I land and I like haul <laughs> ass to my door. But it stuck it sticks in my memory like, you know, forty years later. Mm-hmm. It's still something that I, I can like visualize clear as day and just thinking like holy shit. But then I realized like, oh my god, that was an owl. But its wingspan, like seriously, was ten feet. Yeah. It was huge. it was a huge motherfucking owl (laughs) and uh, i was like well that's kind of cool i wish he wasn't like trying to eat my head or whatever (laughs) like that thing whatever i don't i still don't know what he was trying to do i was gonna
0: say i wonder what it thought you were i know
2: it was just yeah exactly so uh that was like my first like encounter with an owl my second encounter that sticks out in my memory was when i was in college like 20 years later and not even that, I was driving, I used to commute to Mississippi State University from Columbus, Mississippi, and it's about a 30-minute commute, and it was broad daylight, I was just leaving Starkville, and all of a sudden, and I'll never, like, I can play it slow-mo in my head right now, I remember, like, seeing something out of the right corner of my eye, and it all of a sudden it's filling up my whole windshield and it's this mm. huge owl and it's like oh my God. flying oh my sideways God. like this. And it looks me dead in the eye.
0: Oh, so gone.
2: Yeah. And, I, and then it's just, and I'm just like. <laughs> I, mean, I, I, there's, I, it, I didn't have time to react or do anything because it's like. All of a sudden, this thing swoops down, kind of does the sideways. Like you see in animations where like they're looking at (laughs) like the camera that looks me straight in the eye and then leaves. I'm like, what the fuck was that?
0: I have no (laughs) idea.
2: I was like, why I'm like doing like 55, 60 miles an hour at this point. I am not a giant mouse or a rabbit. I mean, why are you dive bombing? So again, that sticks out in my memory. And I remember I was dating my husband at the time we hadn't gotten married yet. And I called and talked to his mom. I was like, you will not believe the shit that just happened to me.
0: <laughs> you did not say shit to his mom.
2: No, I did not. <laughs> I would now, but I definitely did not. Then. I was like, you will not believe what just happened to me. And I was like, and she was like, uh-huh. Okay.
1: Oh my god! (laughs) Dang it! don't you wish you had us to call then we'd be like what where was it well i was trying to speak to my husband but she wasn't there thinking the same thing though it was going back going what (laughs) What just happened to me what what was that (laughs) and so it wasn't
2: until i started reading about this owl witch of mexico that I was like oh shit that may have been like a warning it's like i don't remember anything bad happening after those two incidences but it was so long ago those are the only things that stick in my mind Mm -hmm. and, and nothing else that followed it there's this really great article on medium.com by David Bowles. And uh it's really interesting. And of course it has to do with the cussing of the owls, yeah. right? Yeah. That's what interests the us. Cussing right? The, the cussing of the owls. The running owls. of the bulls. Yes. And it's a thing. That's what and, Apparently, a lot of people in South America will cuss out owls. <laughs> and, yes. And he said that his dad's favorite vulgar phrase for, <laughs> like, which owls to flee. And I, there's no way I can, like, a la blah, blah, Okay. There was no way I'm going to be able to pronounce it. But basically, it means, fuck off, you damn barn owl. That's what he's saying. He's like, you know, he's like, this is something that I like, grew up with. And he, so he learned to grow up cussing out, although he <laughs> didn't really understand, you know, really the tradition behind it or why you did it until, uh, and I don't know, like, if he's a scholar, or if he just stumbled across it, I don't know the backstory to this, but uh, cussing of owls is actually a ritual that goes back to the Aztecs. Oh, oh my God! So the uh, I think it's the Noah, it's the indigenous people of Mexico, which were part of the Aztec emperor, uh, emperor empire, empire, believed that omens were delivered by owls, but like screech owls and barn owls and all the owls and stuff. And if You see an owl before they can screech if you were a man you actually like did this sort of verbal ritual and he like listed the actual name of all this. So it's basically like, if you see a screech owl and they let loose their cry, then somebody would fall ill. Mm -hmm. If you, if they pass by twice more then somebody would die. The reason they associate this with owls, because the screech owl was supposed to be a messenger of the, and this is some Aztec words here, uh, but -hmm. basically the Lord and, lady of miklan which is the land of the dead or one of the lands oh. of the dead from mexico and those gods of death would call the screech owls basically their war captains and they were there to gather the souls for Ooh. hell and stuff but the people the uh, noah which is uh, Part of the Aztec uh, Empire, part of the people that was part of the Aztec Empire, they knew this weakness and what they would do as soon as they heard their talons outside rasping against wood. And right before they could do their doomed screech, men would shout out these six words. And I swear to God, if they played Scrabble, this would be like no. a ten thousand point word because yeah. there are so many X's, and oh Z's my God, and Y's and. Little accent marks and you know all all the things that there's no way in hell. Did you have gonna,
1: any like translator thing play for you?
2: I did not. But maybe he, we
1: should do that.
2: Yeah, yeah we'll do for that for the, yeah. the Easter yeah. egg, right? <laughs> but he he goes in and he translates this word from this old language, and he's like the first two words that they say are command words, and it's be wise, be silent.
0: Mm, okay. So
2: it's basically saying Like if you are If you know what's good for you You shut up mm-hmm. Kind of deal So that's like the first part of the phrase And then I guess this would be like an incantation Incantation mm-hmm. And so the next words coming up It's like addressing the creature The word that they use He says it's used as friend But it's more like that roguish Rascally friend So he translates it as bro ah. mm-hmm. Right and then after that, he says, translates as big old sunken eye thing. And I, when he said that Ugh. big old sunken eye thing, I could not stop thinking about Aunt Esther from Sanford and Sons <laughs> back in the, y'all, did y'all watch Sanford yes, and Sons? I did. Oh, my gosh. And she would, like, she's always telling. She did not she was like, like him. <laughs> like, you old fish eyed fool, watch it, sucker. I mean, mm-hmm. she was, like, she delivered. I loved her so much. Yeah. She was so sassy, and she would not take shit off of Stanford <laughs> or his son or anything. But I love. Anyway, so the big old sunken eye thing. Told him <laughs> that me laugh. And then the next translation, which is really interesting, it's not exact here, but basically he says, your mother. Your mother. That you enjoyed is how it oh translated. Oh, my ah. God, So, what it was was motherfucker. <laughs> so, he just translated <laughs> an ancient Aztec language oh. for motherfucker, right?
0: Oh, my God. That's awesome. So,
2: all together, the men <laughs> would recite basically this phrase that means go wisely and silence my rogue vile sunken eye thing you who fucked your mother <laughs> so that's going kind of to be rough translation so really in today's language they'd be like wise up shut up and get lost bro you shitty sunken eyed motherfucker <laughs> so this is what they would say to like when they would see these owls or screech owls to like you know shoo them away <laughs> so that was the men's spell or incantation or whatever women had something separate and um it basically boiled down to them saying like get get gone (laughs) get 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 gone get the hell out of here but the big phrase that they used and this is not obviously a literal translation this is hard this is some artistic license here. <laughs> but it meant basically up your nose with the rubber hose. <laughs> and they didn't mean you hose. And they weren't talking about your nose. <laughs> <laughs> the women's were basically get gone and get fucked. Is <laughs> what, what, what they were saying. And this was talking about the um, La Choza is the barn owl. It mm-hmm. translate basically to the barn owl, which means like a storm is coming. Somebody's going to get sick. It's, you know, it's bad news, but it's not the worst news. Mm-hmm. Supposedly the horned owl cry, it means death. Mm. And it's like, you know, if you hear a horned owl cry, then not only would you, die, like, your house would be, like, obliterated. It'd be oh my nuked. God. It's, like, you know like the worst of the worst. Ooh. However, there's some good things, like, about owls in this culture. Um, They talk about how two owls help the Lady of Blood, or the Lady Blood is how they translate it, from her father, who was known as Gathered Blood. Aztecs, a lot of blood stuff going on, mm-hmm. right? Her father ordered the owls to kill her and bring back her heart heart to prove that they had killed her and so they took her off and instead of bringing back her heart they brought back like the heart of this tree that looked just like a heart and fooled Mm. him and so basically you know saved her life sounds like snow White. yeah it sounds very close to that so so it's really interesting Mm -hmm. like you know these are centuries old Mm -hmm. tales Mm -hmm. where who who was the originator of Mm -hmm. this That'd be something interesting to them. The owl. <laughs> yes, the owl. The guy who wrote this article, David uh, Bowles. He's like, I'd cuss him out just to be safe. If you run across an yeah. cuss him out just to be safe. Aunt Esther would definitely approve this. <laughs> <of> <Yes. laughs> and that oh, is sunken must... eyed motherfucker. <laughs> yes, sunken-eyed motherfucker. Get on <laughs> out of here. Get, get on. Get get gone. <laughs> Up your nose with a rubber hose. <laughs> I'm not talking about your nose.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: so that's my story oh my of la la choza la la choza awesome. the born awesome.
0: dude i have to tell you too so you know right before we started recording we were talking about our kids and their obsessive television watching like a certain I'm show sure you were gonna say this because i've seen one of these episodes all with you. about so coco is all about this show that disney released called the owl house and the main character is a Latinx girl named Luce. And she goes into like a, a a magical world, you know, she gets in trouble in real life. And like in the first episode, they do all this stuff. And all of a sudden she's like in this world of witches. And she meets Ida, the owl lady.
2: Oh, wow. Yes,
0: it's a huge lady. Yeah. She's a huge owl. She's like, because she's got a, and in her story, she is a witch. Mm-hmm. Ida is a witch, and she has a curse on her, though that turns her into a monstrous owl when the curse isn't under control. Oh. And I was like, I didn't have any idea that that was based in any kind of... Okay. But it sounds like yeah. it's actually it's built on Mexican yes. legend. Yeah. Big, and, it's, and especially because Luz is a, is a, you know, a Latina, right? Like, mm-hmm. that has to be where that comes oh, from. Yeah, so that is, That's as as really As soon cool. as she said it, like, I, saw, I thought I gonna have this to is tell where that came from. This. Yeah. this show
1: came from this Oh, yeah. legend as yes. soon as you started talking about it, i was like uh i watched the show with the giant la- owl lady yep. with the, <laughs> and they call her like the, the spanish owl lady.
0: speaking the culture the owl lady. yeah so that's yeah oh, that's so super cool. cool all right well done yes. i, I want to go curse some owls do you want more strange south every week we can help you can follow us on facebook instagram and twitter and you can join our facebook fan group fans of the strange south podcast to keep the chat going with our whole creepy community. Do you have a story idea for us or a story of your own to share? Email us at stories at Plus, if you join our Patreon, you not only help support the podcast, you get an exclusive bonus episode for every show and a discount on merch. You can find links to all of these things on our website, thestrangesouth.com, along with photos, links, and show notes from every episode, Strange South t-shirts, mugs, and other goodies. See you there. Another drink, Cheers. another story. Another story. <laughs> we had talked about that this was going to be our Cinco de Mayo, pre-Cinco de Mayo, Cinco de Mayo celebrated, right. in parentheses. Yes. Since I got my shot, because like Patrice was the one who went through and calculated when I would actually be <laughs> fully covered from my shot. And Patrice says, well, I'm going to do South of the Border stories. And so when we got together, kind of like, like out of nowhere on Wednesday night, we just kind of like popped up and watched two episodes of The Handmaid's Tale together, which is wow. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, we started talking about South of the Border and I was like, okay, what are you doing? I'm afraid. And I was like, South of the Border stories. And they're like, what do you, what border? Wait, what? And I was like, <laughs> okay, I was like kind of fishing to see if we were talking about the same thing. And I was like, if I said South of the Border, And you don't, like, perk your ears up, then we're good. Because I'm going to be talking about south of the border. So, as, I grew up in Virginia. Oh. I grew up partly in Virginia, like, Air Force, you know, y'all heard the story. I, like, I grew up some in Virginia. But like as kids, we never flew. So once we moved back to the States, everything was driving, you know, and it was like the eighties and, you know, uh, for, this was the way it was for like most people. It's right. like you get a Dodge minivan <laughs> or whatever you have and you drive to go see family at a play. You drive everywhere. Mm-hmm. You drive to the beach, you drive to Florida or yep. Disney or wherever it is you go. And so I lived in Virginia. So if we we're going anywhere, that wasn't like pennsylvania or new york or ohio or illinois which were really the only places we ever went if we were going south which were the other places we went we all it was i-95 all the way because we lived outside of dc so it was just i-95 you're going south you hit i-95 you just go south and so um <clears throat> all the way when we're driving down i-95 you'd start seeing these billboards on i-95 going south every time every drive and it'd be like states away and you'd see these big billboards and one of them says like, no monkey business, juice Yankee Panky. Like, Who? what? And then there's a long time. No C like S I C see pedro today siesta tomorrow like these big billboards and it's coming from virginia with pedro yeah these big billboards (laughs) and so i'd see them and think like i think if i saw them if i saw them now i'd like read them and be like well that's a tiny bit racist like (laughs) yeah um i was a kid at the time with like six to eight hours of driving behind me you know and like i've already run out of cassettes and i'm car sick because i can't read in the car for very long so these bill billboards are like basically just like magical to me because they're promising some sort of like amusement or something. Right. And so you get down into North Carolina and all of a sudden these billboards are like every two miles just over and over and over again. And then when you get close to the North Carolina, South Carolina border, you see this like glow. <laughs> because by now it's starting to get dark and there's just like neon just shining at the North Carolina South Carolina border. What? And you see this
1: giant sombrero like oh. rising into the sky oh my God. <laughs> from the North Carolina South Carolina border. Uh-huh. And there is
0: a there's an article in the post career that I found that said <laughs> if Las Vegas hooked up with Route 66 and had a baby, ooh, ooh, ooh. this would be it that is what south of the border is south of the border is a giant like rest stop like com like not a commune but just like <laughs> this massive place that is um like the og buckys just It's like, listen, listen, if you, if you saw, like, take Bucky's on steroids and multiply it by like 10 times and you still haven't reached south of the border. Shut up. I'm not even kidding. 144 gas pumps. 300 (laughs) acres. Oh my God. Like, south of the border is huge it's a compound in in the carolinas that's the word you're looking for compound not (laughs) not commune compound and so it's like so what you're seeing is like this 200 foot high sombrero tower it's like a sombrero shaped observation tower with lights all around the top that look like charlie brown's t-shirt like the little you know sombrero triangles and um, you can pay a few bucks to go up to it and i think it used to be like impressive because you were looking at like the, the all the you know the south field land and you know prettiness, I guess, of something now you can really just see parking lots from there. So it's not that impressive. But if you want to pay two dollars, you can go but you're see. in like a giant sombrero. You're in a giant sombrero. Right. And um oh and God. then you see this other sombrero, which is like maybe like a hundred feet less tall than the sombrero observation tower that is what they call the big fella is like this giant um <laughs> this giant statue of a Mexican man in a sombrero who is straddling the road that is the entrance to south of the border Ooh. and you drive through his legs <laughs> to get in
1: <laughs> like he's going over the road he's so over you go the, road, under the bridge you go of his under the bridge of
0: his cross. <laughs> he is 104
1: feet tall
0: whose dream child oh, they call, they call him the largest neon sign east of the mississippi there's a sombrero shaped well, so steak, steak restaurant <laughs> i know right And um, fancy folks go to the steak restaurant when they go south of the border. There's a Mexican restaurant that is oddly not sombrero shaped, but is called the Sombrero. there's um they have have
1: mexican food no actually (laughs) you know at at
0: first i don't know that they had any place when they built it i don't think they had any place that had mexican food i think they just had a steakhouse and a hot dog stand (laughs) when they built it but um there's pedroland park that has like a carousel and a mini two mini golfs i think and bouncy houses and outdoor jungle gyms I don't know if all of those are open now because there are different reports on Reddit about like how how open things are, you know, because this place started in 1949. Oh, so like it was running the gangbusters all like for a really long time. But then like the culture changed and the vacation culture changed Mm -hmm. and, you know, so stuff changed for them. But, you know, so for a while it was kind of I know it has been run down, but it is still open. And it does still have multiple attractions. They opened, like, in the 2000s, I think, the Reptile Lagoon, which was called the largest indoor reptile display in the United States. There's a massive fireworks store because it's one of those things where, like, fireworks are illegal here and fireworks are legal here. So you come Not here like to buy at fireworks. at our state line with Georgia. I know. It's like a giant warehouse. They have five different themed souvenir shops. Which may or may not still have sections for adult themed novelties, which was a pretty big part of it when they first opened. What? They had like they had like dirty Pedro themed condoms that they sold (gasps) when they first opened up.
1: Stop. Is that Pedro? I'm, Is he the border
2: man? I'm, yes. I am. Okay, repeat what you just said because
0: I was like searching for South of the I Border. I see Pedro's but but I
1: crotch. So <laughs>
0: when, when they first opened up, there was a whole big, like, kind of novelty theme in each of their souvenir shops. So Woo! they would have like adult novelties. And it, so it was like there was kind of like a dirty chic behind a lot of the souvenir stuff. So he would always have like adult, like, You know, magazines or something in one corner. He would have, they had like dirty Pedro like camouflage condoms or some shit that they would be selling in one of them. Oh my God. so like they in had the 40s? a gas station a truck stop a grocery store pantry a convention center because who wouldn't want to have your convention at a giant truck stop at the north carolina south carolina border they had a motel i think it's where
1: we need to have our first live show <laughs> after and the a, they had a <laughs> so
0: the motel ended up in the 80s they they kicked off they launched the pleasure dome which was an indoor heated pool at the motel with a sauna and there's a honeymoon okay i don't know if the honeymoon suite is still there but at one point there was a honeymoon suite at the motel at south of the border Uh-oh. and I have a picture of it and you have to look on the show page to see this picture because um, it's like the, the bed in the, the honeymoon suite at one point had like Ooh. a red and white like fluffy comforter bedspread on it and it had a mirrored headboard that kind of tilted down over the bed but the way that it comes off is that it kind of looks like there's a giant muppet eating you like it's the weirdest thing what? <laughs> And some people, some people on the, um, the Reddit page where I found this picture, what, like the comments, I, I actually screenshotted the comments so you can see all of those, but one of them said like it, it reminded them of a coffin, <sighs> um, there are um here let me see if i can pull it up really quick. we're so you looking guys at pictures right now I, i'll see if i can pull up oh, i the think she's already picture. googled oh, it i see it yeah did you see the honeymoon bed yeah um it does look like a muppet it does because it's got like a little hump at the top that looks like a nose oh, like it's opening three its mouth mirrors that kind of face yes, down. the mirrors are like, like
1: tilted down onto the it bed looks like of. the inside mouth, inside of a pup of a muppet mouth yes open mm-hmm. Open. With mirrors in the t- in the room, and of I the think mouth the center and a space.
0: I think the center space may actually be like a
1: nineteen oh, yes. seventies like music system. Like a You know what There's I mean? two like, mirrors and a um, sound system. I like the lights. So I want to stay in this room. This
0: place has like this. One of the things people always would take <laughs> once once cell phones came around, people would always take selfies, or they would take you know like camera regular camera shots because all around this place there are giant and i i wrote down fiber i don't know if they're fiberglass or concrete but there's like giant chickens there's giant statues of hippos giant giraffes there's a giant wiener wiener dog dog. there's a giant jackalope that's blue painted blue there's a giant gorilla with a t-shirt that says like eat it south of the border there's a sombrero wearing dinosaur and a giant bull and a whale because there's a special souvenir shop just for people who are heading to Myrtle Beach.
1: <laughs> and, oh, I
0: see the dinosaur. And there's giant Pedro, which is like a dark-skinned, like man in a sombrero wearing flip-flops. This
1: you place can take your picture with giant fiberglass out Pedro.
2: Out of fucking
0: control.
1: <laughs> you never sausage a place. You never sausage a place. They sell sausages, I guess.
0: <laughs> so. There used to also be the Cancun Saloon, which had, it was like a giant building with like a bar and pool tables and all this kind of stuff inside. But I think in like the 2009, 2012, they tore it down because they added like a BMX track that's actually for professional motocross training. So... This when I'm telling you that this is this can't even compare to Bucky's. I'm saying like this is oh yeah this is a huge. It's not no it's it's sprawling. This
2: is nothing like I've ever seen in the South before. No, it's like I am I am
0: shocked. So because you know it's (laughs) funny when I made that comment to you guys and I said South of the border and you guys didn't register. and I was like that's so weird. But I realized you probably never really went that way. Like I'm no. the only one of us that constantly went up and down 95 my whole childhood. Well, so, so this place was like <laughs> part of every fucking trip we ever took was like begging my parents to stop at South. But they the never water, did right? I don't think I ever went. You never got to I even to go. asked. And you know what? When Randy and I lived in Atlanta and we drove back and forth to mom and dad's when they used to live in D.C., I don't think we even stopped then. Because by that time, you're old and you want to get home. Like, mm. you you just like you just want to get on your trip, you know? Like, you just want to get out of the car, but you don't want to go to south of the border necessarily. See, when you were quizzing this about south of the border... I was like you were
2: talking south of the border. Oh! I did it. And so I was like You
0: thought I was going all. Oh, I thought
2: <laughs> you
1: were
0: going there
1: south. Of- I was like I thought you were doing some north south thing like no. Mason Dixon line. No. We had two oh, totally I'm different so cited. <laughs> well, now I get to You're introduce closer you than me for sure. Now <laughs> I get to introduce you to south of the border. Well, we do have the crotch over the crotch branch. <laughs>
0: yes, he straddles the red. So um now at one point the billboards for south of the border were all the way into philadelphia and every single one of those like (laughs) insensitive billboards were written by the owner and founder of south of the border his name was alan schaefer he died in 2001 um he had his hands in every single part of his business so it looks like it um in 1993, the Mexican embassy actually wrote a very angry letter to Alan Schaefer oh. calling the billboards offensive. Oh, my gosh. And it, every,
2: it's like every stereotype oh, it in, really like, is. live
0: color. Oh, yeah. 100 feet tall. 100%. And yeah. it, it was a long time before he gave in. And she, But now they're basically, they do still have billboards. There are still about, I think, 200 billboards in North Carolina stretching to the South Carolina border. But they're all, like, dad jokes now. You yeah. Know, like, you like never see. Kind of- sausage thing like those that's it's more those um when you're going south on 95 so this place's heyday we all can see right is basically past right? right but um you know it's from when families were always driving on these long trips and they weren't like you know, right. Focused on their phones the whole time. But it's kind of like the uh, dirty dancing era of vacation. It is. It's like, yes, the resort community and dirty dancing, mm-hmm. which, you know, was actually filmed in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to that place that place burned down by the way that hotel oh. where they uh they filmed dirty dancing so, wow. anyway so uh south of the border still open mixed reviews now if you look there are a lot of people who say like there's just grass growing up through the asphalt and you know there are different there are different a lot of people think it's super creepy for what? a little while I think it was more l- or less well-kept than maybe it has become again it sounds like maybe it's maybe it might have improved some rec- re- really recently but, like, people are saying at one point it was kind of like going into an abandoned carnival, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's nostalgic for some people, Ooh. creepy for other people. For some people, it's just racist. It's just highly offensive. <laughs> um, so the story is is oddly complicated. And there's a woman who has written a book on this that um, really points out and focuses a lot on the idea that, like, the story of South of the Border really does deal with a lot of the complexities of race and economy in the South. So it's pretty cool. So Alan Schaefer started South of the border, like I said, in 49, 1949, his family already owned a beer distributing company. And, um, so he, he attended university of South Carolina for journalism, and then he moved home to help his dad build the business when his grandfather died. And so in 1949, Robeson County, North Carolina, which was the County in North Carolina that was just adjacent to this area went dry So no booze sales. And he's like, here's my opportunity. So he um, buys land just south of the North Carolina border in Hamer, South Carolina. He builds a small cinder block building. He paints it bright pink and he calls it south of the border beer depot. And it's basically only there for people in North Carolina to drive quickly to go get some beer and then go home. Beer barns. Are the I know best. that lot. yes. <clears throat> I mean we all seen this. Coming right? from DeKalb <clears throat> County, this is Alabama. That is how you still gotta dry. <laughs> and everybody appreciates <laughs> right? the south of the border beer depot.
1: Yeah, to go to Edinburgh.
2: Well, the thing, we didn't live in a dry county, um, but like when I was in college, Mississippi State is a warm beer county. So you what? can't, you can't put beer in cooler. like cooler. So if you wanted cold. That's just cruel. If you wanted cold beer, <laughs> you'd have to go it. out of county to like one of the little stores, like in West Point and buy cold beer and then come back to I the I think college, Clay County is convenient. like that.
1: Cleburne or Clay. Because. Why would you do yeah, that Yeah, because uh, my ex-husband had a job in one of those two near Heflin, but not Heflin. And uh, when they would leave work for the day, they had a cooler because they'd have to put the mm-hmm. <laughs> beer on ice. Yep. Yeah. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> Forgot about the warm beer law. Mm-hmm. This is stupid. It is well,
0: stupid. And I, it's funny. It's one of those arbitrary things. It's like, ha ha, this is going to be our way of getting you. Mm-hmm. Um. So by 1950, he's selling hot dogs and burgers, Ooh. you know, along with the beer. And he's making he realized he's making more money from tourists who are driving this way than from the locals who are coming across the border to buy beer. So he decides in 54, he's going to add a motel. He shortens the name to South of the border, which he himself affectionately calls SOB all the time. Ah. Um, and from there he starts adding more and it's all geared towards the tourists who are driving from long distances up and down. Um, so he starts importing souvenirs to sell at South of the border. So according to the post courier article that I found by the 1960s, again, like I said, South of the border was like 300 acres. They had their own drugstore, They had their own post office. They had a barbershop and restaurants and a gas station and a campground. So, um, it had like in the early days it had that kind of raunchy but exotic allure for some people um and it was he called it the upscale cadillac crowd so hollywood celebrities actually went to south of the border he had what was called the champagne room and joan crawford went rita hayworth would overnight at south of the border and order champagne from that's like slumming it right right um, but the town that it was situated in, um, which it was in Dylan, I think it's Dylan County, um, South Carolina, never university loved universally loved <laughs> Alan Schaefer, um, Because making a beer mecca right outside of a dry county that was turned dry because it's a Baptist town isn't a way to make friends, really.
2: And also, he was probably making hand over fist in money. In a a
0: fairly poor area. And they were not getting any of the cut. And um, and he also sold dirty corny novelty items which you know is another moral thing he was jewish and
2: oh well there you go
0: and which, he has
2: this gorilla right there with its ass, ass sticking up in
0: out. the air yes. i didn't see that one yeah, that was a, that's a good one that's um so yeah hurt. he's a minority in the community he's doing all these things that are they they kind of consider and it's funny because mm-hmm. he he often uses his jewishness as kind of like his out it's like he even said in one of the interviews I read about him, like, if you throw out the Jewish card on these folks, they're like, oh, poor you. And they kind of let you off the hook for some stuff. Mm. And so, I mean, the I mean, he's not like a paragon of virtue necessarily. Well, like, <laughs> especially
1: in the 50s. I mean, it's right. you know, I mean, that's
0: not long after
1: World no, War it's, II. No, it's not. It's like, I mean, he's
0: a very complex character. I mean, he's not the nicest, greatest guy. He actually went to f- federal prison for a while. He was involved in, like, some... Um, like voter fraud stuff. Oh, but I don't, I, I didn't look into that deeply. There are a lot, there's a lot more to the story. <laughs> he was, he had a big political influence. There's a lot more to the story than I'm even going to tell you. So if you want to look it up, I'll give you some resources, but, um, so I mean, but it's funny cause he had early on, he had a really, really progressive view when it came to black and white race relations specifically, mm-hmm. um, and he really walked the walk with this stuff. So in, in 1948, right before he started it, he actually was going through his entire town, like helping black voters to register to vote. And this is the forties right, in North and South Carolina. Right. Um, well, they, they kill you for that shit. Seriously. Yeah. Um, 1954, he was infamous in town. Um, a lot of people were onto him about this because he hired uh, both black and white employees and he allowed both black and white Um, lodgers to rent his rooms he didn't have a colored section oh wow and he's so a black man could stay in the same hotel room as a white man would then stay in the next night and that was a huge huge it's just like
1: that will get you killed too that was
0: massive exactly but i mean it's just like the
2: godstones man the godstones have like some really great things like that they talk about
0: and then it's just like at the end you're just like
2: Oh. I know why you gotta ruin it. Why you gotta ruin it?
0: Yes. Well, um, and the other one of the one of the really big things about this letting letting black lodgers stay in his hotel room. I'm the book that I'm reading right now is the Warmth of Other Suns, and it's a story of the great mybra- my Jesus. <laughs> It's a story of the great migration of African Americans. <laughs> that's The great that, vibration. That's the, the margaritas street.
1: talking.
0: What's that? It's the that's margaritas, the margarita's talking. talking vibrations. The vibration. Margarita um, my.
1: Mybr- Celebrations. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Ignore my mispronunciation. Read this book because it's a really good book. And I don't, I don't usually love historical nonfiction. And this book is massive. Like if you pick it up, it's, it's actually kind of daunting because it takes your whole fist to hold this book, but it's really good. And it talks, it tells the individual stories of different people who left the South to move North from like the turn of the century through 1970, oh, wow. which was the course of the great migration. Right. And so and it tells their individual stories. And one of the huge things they they told the story of a man who moved from um, Mississippi, I think to, uh, or Louisiana to Los Angeles mm-hmm. and that he was driving the entire way. And um, you know, when he was in the South still, right. he didn't even dare to ask if he could stop at a, at a, at a, hotel right if it didn't say a colored hotel right he wasn't going to even try because right that would be an idiotic move right for him right and so he gets past this line Mm -hmm. and he's not in the south anymore right and thinks that he can just go to any hotel he wants and he walks up and he gets turned away and then he goes to another place and he gets turned away because Mm -hmm. nothing is different right it's It's just not codified right And so, and we get stereotyped a lot where it's not just us, it's everybody. It's exactly, and that's actually a big part of this. Like, there's a big part of this stuff. And like, the idea that he accepted black lodgers in 1954, the KKK like requested a huge boycott of his facilities because of all this culture. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) And he actually met them in his parking lot with a rifle one time and chased them all off. Wow. And so, I mean, they, I mean, the amount of good that it does to be a, like a person who owns a hotel in fucking North and South Carolina and welcomes black lodgers in 1954 cannot be overstated. Right. And so like, I just really, really wanted to say that, but, um, so yeah, the clan was so pissed with him that they would follow his Beardress Sebrison trucks like around. They would like get in and just tail his trucks everywhere they went to threaten and like intimidate him. Mm-hmm. And it never worked. Mm-hmm. And um so this this is like the story of how the whole complex started. But the Mexican theme part of it right. came from so he takes a business trip to Mexico in like the mid-50s, I think. And he's starting to kind of make some export deals because he's realized that souvenir trade in this like lucrative tourist space is going to be good for him so he comes back having hired these two young mexican men from you know the place that he was visiting he's brought them back with him and he decides he's going to be bell they're going to be bellboys for the motel and um so folks there just started calling the two guys pedro and Pancho, like no care for what their actual names (laughs) were and before long everybody just started calling both of them pedro and um, people got such a kick out of it that Schaefer used this Pedro character and turned it into a mascot, and then just flew with it for just full-on balls-to-the-wall theming. Right. And um, turns this into this gaudy, chintzy American consumerist version of a Mexican village. Right. And um, where nobody but the actual first Pedro actually speaks Spanish at all. So. And they don't have Mexican <clears throat> food. And I know. And now they do finally have Mexican food. Right. But, you know, it's like so this dark skinned, fat grinning dude in a sombrero is is everywhere. I mean, there are like huge statues of him all over. They sell dolls of him. You know, he's his logo is everywhere. Right. And so, you know, like I said, he had lots of letters from the Mexican embassy over the years um, saying that the Pedro character perpetuates commercial gain for an unfair stereotype. They say it's like the lazy, crafty Mexican. But he's like, you know, all these progressive views that I've had all these years and all this money that I pumped into this community and all this money that I pumped into Mexico buying all these souvenirs from them. Like you would think that you could fucking give me a break. And it's like he thinks that it can put him above blame all this other stuff that he's done. Um, like, and it goes with kind of the, it's just a joke idea. Right. And um, so the book that I mentioned earlier Sombreros and Motorcycles in a Newer South is the name of it by Nicole King. She focuses on that. His, his he really always like emphasizes this kind of irony and everything that he does, like everything that he did was politically incorrect. Everything he did was tongue in cheek. Everything was a spoof. Right. And um, so he kind of like, he played off everything both ways because really he, he was a businessman. Right. You know, he just, he's trying to make a buck and you know, there is a minefield of stereotypes here because I'm sure the number of people that said he was just a Jewish guy here trying to make a buck is probably Mm -hmm. pretty massive, you know? So just minefield of stereotypes. Right. But, um, you know, he really, he, he really, his job here is to entertain people and to sell stuff. But that doesn't mean that what he did with this Pedro mascot is like, Above reproach, you know. So, to be honest with me, like if I saw a a a Sambo statue outside of a restaurant, I fucking wouldn't patronize the restaurant, right? And um, I think the only real difference here is that that image has a lot more cultural um weight and baggage for a lot of people than maybe the image of Pedro might at this point in our history. You know, not to say that it may not eventually get there, but. There's a Space Jam movie coming out soon, and Speedy Gonzalez is supposed to be in the Space Jam movie. And there was a question of whether they were going to put Speedy Gonzales in the Space Jam movie. And the Latinx community in California specifically fought against them taking that character out of Looney Tunes in the Space Jam movie. Mm-hmm. And part of it is because there was this article in L.A. Times by Gustavo Ariano who said... In the 100-plus years of Tinseltown, Speedy Gonzalez remains the most popular and successful Mexican character ever created. When we don't have much, we got to protect what we have. And he said Speedy's four Academy Award nominations tie him with Anthony Quinn for the most ever by an actor of Mexican descent. His soul, Speedy Gonzalez won an Academy Award for a 1955 cartoon. And that makes him almost the most earned Oscars by a Mexican actor wow so they're like you know like you it's don't a give us shit right it's so, a double-edged sword it's yeah. like
2: yeah you, you gave us this mouse you know that's
0: i mean he, and he actually re- wins yeah you know i mean speedy gonzalez wins and you know a lot of people have pointed out like okay so south of the border has a bunch of people from the south buying like mexican themed Like stuff from Mexico. Right, at that time. Instead of Confederate flags.
2: Right. Yeah. So at that time, nobody, I mean, they were nowhere near Mexico. Mm-hmm. And so it was like the exotic, I mean, I can, it underst- was exotic. I yeah. can, I can understand, you know, where the allure and where, I mean,
1: he was a genius. Not yeah, only that was from genius. the pictures, it looks like it's not just, I mean, dinosaurs and purple gorillas and yeah. chickens. And, and it's he was just a like show a showman. It is
0: a showman. And that's, uh, that's the like thing that big, gets me is that when they say it perpetuates. Top,
1: yeah. Side, sh- you know, side roadside. Yeah. Tea.
0: And they interviewed people who, me of you know, gods. Latin people, like Latinx people who <laughs> went to this and they were like, why are you making such a fucking mega deal about this? Right. But then there are other people who are like, um, excuse me, you don't put Sambo outside of a restaurant. You know I right. mean? It's like, so there, are, there are two sides. You know, right. I'm not of Mexican descent, so right. I don't got any right to tell anybody what to think or do about this. Right. But these are the two sides. Right. Um, but, um. you know, you could easily turn this into like a racist South story, I guess, with mm-hmm. South of the Border. But thing is, South of the Border doesn't make fucking money on locals. Right. It makes money on the fucking Yanks. Yeah. So, He here's the thing, though, this is is the part of it. This is the part of it that I had (laughs) never heard. Okay. Now, you know, I'm familiar with South of the Border from my childhood. Right. Right. I had no idea about this. In 1961, Alan Schaefer launched Confederate Land USA <gasps> inside South of the Border. Oh, wait. <laughs> oh who my did God. Alan Schaefer, the guy who owned South of the Border oh. and created this whole complex. In the 60s? In 1961, he launched Confederate Land USA.
1: Wait. And Just it like was... Songs of the he was South. having to kick the KKK out all the time. Right? But that was Before
0: and so he's like
2: come spend your money here exactly
0: so this was a little confederate themed amusement park which the author of this book um nicole king mentioned was really pandering intentionally pandering to northern stereotypes about the idyllic antebellum south yeah and um so he knows that he's making money he does this in order to make money on northerners coming down and exploiting this idea of like the antebellum South. Um, And he's very aware of the irony of it, but it doesn't bother him at all. Mm -hmm. And he also is a politician. He's a local politician. Like I said, I'm not going to get into all his political shit because that's just too much dirt to dig. But he, um, he wanted to get in with some people that he wasn't in with. Mm -hmm. And he also, he did not believe in this shit. Mm -hmm. He did not believe in the Confederacy, but he knew that if he did something like this, he could pull some folks to vote for him that weren't voting for him. Mm, sounds like he believed in the politics. ultimate, it, yes. which is
1: capitalism. Yes, that's mm. the ultimate and again, belief. like I
0: said, <laughs> minefield of stereotypes here. There are a billion types of people that could have made these same actions. So, like he has like a little train, a mini golf course. He has camels. He builds like fort pedro log fort and it's funny because like the confederate land usa looks a lot more like 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 western pioneer usa than confederate usa but nobody seems to notice (laughs) so he has like a little museum of like like authentic confederate documents he gets the um the remains of the there's a gunship a confederate gunboat called the pd that was sunk in some iconic battle in the civil war. And he gets the remains of this boat and puts them on display in Confederate land, USA. Does he have like John Murrell's thumb? I know, right? Has <laughs> <laughs> middle
2: finger now.
0: And this is the real, this was the real kicker with, um, with Confederate land. It apparently also for a short time. And this was a short lived thing. I don't think it was more than 10 years that this was here. Um, featured pedro's plantation where according to pedro's King, plantation? okay go ahead quote tourists could engage in the experience of picking cotton tourists on vacation could assume the role of slaves on a plantation as a recreational activity which she then called a complete disconnect from reality but listen listen I was totally shocked by this. I was like, that is just fucking wrong. All like right. all the way wrong on all sides. All right. But I then found later a transcript from, um, a, it was a Smithsonian digital storytelling project interview that a student had done. And they had interviewed Richard Schaefer, who was Alan's son. And he had said, um, let's see. There was nothing on route 301, which is one of the kind of roads that intersects right there at South of the border at the time that he he built it and started building it up and um people started stopping and um he said a lot of the businesses that started in that area started by just watching what the tourists do and he said um it was 1949 people would stop and there's a cotton field on the on the west side of 301 big cotton field and my father noticed people over there picking cotton And he couldn't figure it out. And what in the world were these people picking cotton for? Because Northerners had never seen a cotton field before. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden he said, well, I can do something like that. We can sell cotton. So he starts taking little cotton bowls. He bought the cotton field from the farmer and takes little cotton bowls and and sells them in containers in his souvenir shops and wraps them because that's what people wanted. Mm -hmm. So he did this because he saw people already fucking doing it to get this experience of picking cotton in the South. And so like, it's like, yes, this is fucked up, but mostly because people are apparently sort of fucked up. <laughs> oh my God. And he, he makes, he makes money off it. He's just oh. watching people do what they do. And right. then he's giving them what they want to do, you know? Right. So it's, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to defend in either direction, but it's just like, it's complex, right? It's not just like mm-hmm. black and white, <laughs> no. easy shit. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he, he actually got a lot of positive reviews from Confederate Land USA. The KKK started running like ads in his favor for once, um, you know, and he he got some positive stuff. So, I mean, he accomplished whatever goals he might have had there. I mean, his family says that he was a huge philanthropist in the area. He helped people who didn't have anything. He employed more people in that county than any other employer for a really long time. He was the top employer in the county. They actually rerouted Route 95 just so that it would pass south of the border. Damn. And um, so I mean, you it's it's complicated. It is complicated. You know, he brought so much, he brought a ton of money and like and diverse workforce opportunities to this area and did some kind of shifty shit with race. Mm -hmm. and also helped a lot of people. And, you know, but anyway, one way or another, he's like master manipulator. Yes. And, you know, it sounds like not a bad guy. Just, just, I don't know. Just, we are where we are. We do what we do. I don't know. Yeah. But, um, you know, I, I personally don't know that I would feel comfortable with the whole, I don't feel comfortable with the whole Pedro shit. Right. But, you know, I don't know. It's it's complicated. <laughs> the south is complicated. <laughs> south is complicated. And that is the story sort of of south of the border. South of the border. I think that you should go Mexico and way. see it for yourself I, and send us videos of totally what it looks like tomorrow.
2: Now. I need to find that gorilla because that gorilla's got some juicy ass. Oh my Purple god. Purple gorilla with his Purple ass gorilla, up in the but... air.
0: So many things to take pictures so with.
2: I'm looking at this clown that's dirty old man's <gasps> shop in the back.
1: Oh, is it an Oh is that that's recent? A clown. It looks pretty I, recent. I yeah. mean it's not of course there's a clown. It's not a, it's a clown. It's figured, a modern. I figured that photo. stuff
0: was still there.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Thank you so much. I <laughs> that is like opened my eyes to some wow. <laughs>
0: I hope you guys enjoyed our first Kitch. happy episode south yeah. of the border back yeah. in the pod
2: basement. Thank happy. you so much for listening. We appreciate, you. Y'all. appreciate y'all so much. Thank you. And good night. Goodness. Good night.
1: Let me let you go now. Let me let you go, go now. now.
0: Butter my butt and call me a biscuit. <laughs> Get gone.